Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. It's a big episode this week. We've got a lot to talk about. We've had our first defeat of the season in the Champions League, which we are going to talk about, although we aren't going to talk about it for too long because we've got a lot more to get through. And frankly, we don't like talking about defeats. We like talking about 6-2 wins. We like talking about hat-tricks off the bench. And... We also like talking about upcoming huge clashes against Arsenal. So a lot to get through. It's going to be a big episode and I'm going to need my A-team to help me get through it. So let me introduce them with no further ado. I'm going to start with you, Elio. Welcome back to another week. We've got a lot of goals to get through. We've got our first defeat. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. Are you coping with all this Spurs excitement at the moment? Absolutely. It's nice to be talking about mainly positive things to do with Spurs. Race back sort of to this time last season and it was a very different conversation. So no, uh, <laughs> really thrilled about it. Obviously, there's not quite the marriage between results and performances that we'd love but I'd always rather stutter to a win than be plucky losers and I think I've used that term before I'm, I'm delighted that right now we are not plucky losers indeed we are, well we certainly aren't losers at least not in the league anyway and we're doing very very well and I've got some exciting stats about our start to the season that you're going to hear from me very shortly soon and um, Dave I know you've got some stats coming up as well so welcome back to another episode and I have it on good authority that you've at least watched most of our goals from that thumping 6-2 win and you've seen the highlights of the sporting game as well you've been doing your homework which is great to hear yeah well I've I've not had much to do you know I always say it's always good to win before an international break oh yes because you've got that longer period and you know you can be in a good place well I'm currently 16 days into a 29 day straight period of no league (laughs) games off the back of a 5-2 defeat oh so I'm in an equally bleak place as you could imagine it to be um so yes I've tried to fill up some time at least with smiley happy Spurs fans I'm honestly impressed that you're even here. Given all of that, I'm really impressed that you've actually made it onto a football podcast because I would not want to talk about football. I would want to forget football exists if I was in that situation. There's a reason why he's drinking at three in the afternoon. (laughs) I thought that was just a regular bank holiday for you, Dave, but okay, fair enough. Right, so let's get into it, shall we? Let's talk about the sporting game because it's obviously our first defeat of the season and it's it's never nice to see a defeat. And Elio, I know we were talking about this afterwards and I think there was a degree, wasn't there, of if this had to happen, maybe it's good that it happened in this way and that happened now because it's a little bit of a warning sign and perhaps this was coming one way or another. I think it probably was because our performances have not been stellar. I think Fulham and Southampton were the only games where I came out thinking we really, really deserve that. Though We've always sort of created more chances than the opposition in our wins. So yeah. uh, I will kind of caveat that with that. But it, it was to an extent coming and if it's going to come, then away to Sporting Lisbon in your second game of the Champions League. You've won the first one. Golden rule of Champions League group qualifications. Win all your home games, pick up at least a point away and you'll end up in the knockouts. So I think it's easier to take than if we'd won that, had a great Champions League start, but lost yesterday at home to Leicester, for instance, which obviously um, after a few minutes was threatening to be the case. Do you think we deserve to lose? We did. That yeah. doesn't necessarily mean Sporting deserve to win, if you follow <laughs> was, my train of thought. A 0-0 was looking pretty fair, wasn't it, at that stage? It, it was like, it yeah, was, that's probably but, what the game deserves. But you know what? When you go away to a team who, to be put together, they cost an absolute fraction of what 
mm. your record signing costs and you can't create any chances and you're that poor defensively, then you deserve what you get, to, even if it is an end of game sucker punch. So I kind yeah. of, I didn't even get angry at the end. I just kind of slumped a bit into my chair and like, well, let's hope that this gives us a bit of a shake up. And yep. it kind of did. Uh, we'll get into the game in a bit. But yeah, well-timed defeat if there is such a thing. Yeah, it did seem like it gave us a bit of a kick up the arse we needed, didn't it? And obviously it's never nice losing in that fashion. But I suppose if you leave us second in the group with four games to go and a few home games, like you say, you're still fairly confident of getting through it. And pretty much last minute goal, the second goal, we were pretty much defeated. It was all the way into injury time and you know, probably can't read too much into the actual result. Dave, I know you've had a quick look at the highlights of that. Um, any points to make on the game against Sporting? Uh, obviously, You've seen the Marcus Edwards run where he did his best impression of Lionel Messi. That was a nice little what could have been, wasn't it? Yeah, so, well, you've, you've named two of the things that I've written down. First one was sucker punches, <laughs> which Elliot has already said, and yeah, it did, yeah. certainly did feel like that. I don't want to be accused of saying one thing about Spurs and another thing about another team. So I am going to say I don't think it's ideal that you conceded the second goal, and I think that is probably more of a negative than conceding a set piece in the 90th minute from my perspective because mm. you know we're going to talk about that when I mention Leicester but we'll get into that later yeah I keep wanting to say Martin Edwards but I'm very aware that he was the former sporting director at Scum rather than a 20 <laughs> a 20 a 21 22 year old English footballer yeah. but yeah that run was pretty special wasn't it and he obviously looks like he's got flashes of brilliance which is not unheard of at sporting they've had a fair few decent players over they the sure years have. um and they've got an, a, an exceptional conveyor belt there so they obviously know how to spot decent players and they're not all Portuguese either the other point that I kind of wrote down was missed chances because looking at the highlights it did really feel like you know even though they, they I think the xG was relatively even um, mm. for the game the key chances other than that Edwards chance before the goals and the save that Lorries made to give them the corner that they scored from other than that it was all Spurs in the highlights and there were good chances and there were good opportunities now obviously Richarlison's goal was well offside so that wasn't a chance but other than that I think the chances the majority of the chances in the highlights at least were were Spurs's and I think that's hopefully a bit of a wake-up call for everybody and I think Conte should use it as that in the sense that you've got to take your chances in Champions League because if you don't take your chances then you might get hit on a sucker punch exactly as they did and then you have to find that point away from home as Elio mentioned you know that yeah. could have been that that could have been that point and you're going to have done that, that point. Yeah. And, then we can, and then we can just win our home games and we're sorry. But now you've got to still think you've got to get a result away from home. So, you know, not getting that result, not getting that point, even if it's just a point, it just cranks the pressure up another notch for the next game. And I guess to add to all of that, and you mentioned the second goal particularly there, it also, given that Champions League is done on head-to-head, it's not on goal difference, I believe, in terms of what order teams finish in when they're tired on points got to beat Sporting by two goals and Mm. two clear goals at least three if we actually concede one and they have the away goal so to speak because if we end up sort of neck and neck with them and there's no reason to think that they won't do well for the rest of the group after that all three of those teams can take points off each other so you may well have three teams close together towards the end then we need to do better than we maybe otherwise would have when we played them so hopefully it's not the case and we're just sweeping all before us by that point but you've got to be mm. re- realistic to these things and you've got to really bring the A game to the return match now. Are you a bit frustrated with the substitutions because and we've actually seen very much it just turned around in the 
Leicester game, but there was, I think, only one substitution made, and that was quite late on in that game. Was there a part of you that thought maybe we could have salvaged something if we'd acted a little bit sooner or Conte acted a little bit sooner? I think, and it's not the happiest thing I have to say, but I think Conte had settled for the points away and he thought, all right, let's just conserve all the legs we have until yeah. the weekend. Um, I mean, Entirely the fact possible. that Bentoncourt and Hoybier both looked dead out there and he didn't sort of bring on Basuma, for instance, was odd um same yeah. so i think he settled for the points and he was just trying to keep some rhythm i mean listen you, you never know quite why managers make certain decisions but i did think it was a mistake on his part no fair enough and he seemed to learn his lesson in the next game definitely one way or the other there was a different story in the leicester game we saw quite a few subs and quite a few early subs um mm. shall we get on to the leicester game shall we that, that's the support act's over that's the warm-up ad let's talk about <laughs> the main event what we really want to move talk on about. the 6-2 game and we've, we've done that bit justice and obviously we've got a lot of games left in the champions league and hopefully we're still in pretty good position there 6-2 Lovely win. In fact, it's the first time we've scored six in a home game in the Premier League since the 9-1 victory over Wigan all those years ago, which is quite something. I didn't know that. And that's quite impressive. That, that surprises me. Have we done that away at all? I imagine we have, given that I heard the stat specifically mention home yeah. games. So maybe we have, or maybe, it, or maybe outside of the Premier six. League. Yeah, I have a feeling we've scored six in the league away to Leicester at one point. Uh, <laughs> we may well have done, yeah. So. You, can't, you scored Indeed. six in the FA we've Cup. We scored a lot against Wait, Leicester. Loads, loads of years ago. <laughs> When Ronnie Rosenthal came off the bench and scored a hat-trick. <laughs> was that a 6-3 or something? Yeah, no, he definitely <laughs> did. Um, and in fact, Leicester Spurs, of all the teams who have played each other at least 30 times in Premier League history, has the highest number of goals. It's 3.73 goals a game on average between Spurs and Leicester, which is pretty outrageous by any measure. Um, but and yeah, how many of so those are Harry Kane? How many of those are Harry Kane? <laughs> you tell me. I think, has he scored 20 against them now? 20 is 19? Is it 19? Which is only surpassed in terms of goals against one Premier League club by Dave uh, it's probably Alan Shearer against Leeds it is Alan Shearer against Leeds with 20 very good let's hope that that stat will fall soon or at least the next time Spurs play Leicester anyway well it'll have to be this season yeah exactly it will won't it at this rate and that's not because Leeds are going down that's for sure now Leicester are in trouble aren't they and let, let, let's talk about the game because Leicester haven't been good but you've still got to beat what's in front of you and we might have been criticized for not creating in the last few games but we certainly did in this game but we went behind we went behind. I was crying about the penalty at the time. I thought it was outside until I watched the replay at halftime and realised actually it was very much on the line. And, and in fact, you watch Sanchez's demeanour. It was very much like a puppy that's just weed on the floor and he looks very guilty. You know, he'd done something wrong. You could tell he was, it was that kind of, he put his hands up sheepishly like, I didn't mean to, I didn't do it. But it was definitely a foul, wasn't it, Elio? Mm, it was. Yeah. and um, Clumsy one too. It was clumsy. It was just panic stations defending. Perisic went in with not one, but two wild failed tackles, one of which could have very easily been a foul against us from yeah. way out of the box, but the ref said play on, which he hadn't, obviously. Mm. Then Sanchez tracking back went in with his own wild lunge it was um it wasn't necessary it wasn't what I was it it wasn't, and I, I just feel like it was at odds with the Sanchez we've seen previously this season and at the end of last season, where I think he's actually been solid defensively. I mean, mm. as backed up by statistics as well, but also just in, I've never felt sort of particularly shaky, but he, he gave that ball away initially as well. Then Perisic had his two wild lunges. Then he brought the guy down the box. Between the two of them, it was just terrible right-hand yeah. side defending, really. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, I was talking about how it might look a bit cleaner with Perisic sit out on that side rather than Emerson because I think a lot of the criticism had been our play out from the back and then suddenly we looked even worse for the beginning of that game. 
I mean, I'm sure Parasic can do a very good job if he plays consecutive games as a right yeah. wing back and gets suited to the role. But just because the guy's two footed doesn't mean it's his best position. That's the reason he's mm. been on the other side for the majority of his career, whether as a attacker or a, as a defensive player. And you just look at the whole pitch differently when you're on different parts of the pitch and your awareness of what's going around you is completely different. So yeah, so I, I think with Perisic's two lunges there, there was just a bit of an element of his instincts weren't what they would have been had it been on the other side of the pitch. So yeah, good point. I can forgive him for that. Plus, I think you have to remember that, you know, Perisic has seen things and, you know, it does have, a, <laughs> I, I think could go crazy eye at any moment, you know, just because, <laughs> just because he's a little PTSD. bit older and a little bit wiser than uh, yeah. Romero. I think he could probably revert <laughs> to type at any moment <laughs> yeah exactly and of course Romero wasn't on the pitch at the beginning which was an interesting one I don't think many of us called that what do you think the thinking was behind that Elio was that just resting him was that a case of um, Sanchez seeming a better fit for this match I don't see a reason to rest him when he's already had a period out with injury and the previous mm. two matches were a week apart I think Romero played really poorly in the previous game and got a kick up the backside unfortunately the player used to give him that kick up the backside himself played really badly but um, so it doesn't overly throw the gauntlet down as you'd wish but yeah I just Mm. think he was being punished for a bad game I may be wrong about that it may have just been rotation it may have been saying to Sanchez look you played well so far this season you deserve a game as well but yeah I just think Romero was poor in the previous match there's no reason to rest him when we don't have a game for two weeks and we don't really care what Argentina do so I, I think he was just having a message sent to him by Conte of, listen, you've had a couple of near misses with potential red cards this season. You've just had a poor game. Wisen up a little bit. And yeah. And that Hopefully seems to be a bit of a theme percent. emerging as well, because obviously Son famously was on the bench at the beginning of this game. We saw how that worked out. Kudusevsky's mm. had a couple of games on the sidelines and he came back with a bang as well. And he was actually responsible for setting up our equaliser after a nicely worked set-piece goal and another strike from Gianni Vio. Not his first <laughs> in this game, I might add. And somebody told me that this guy was a fraud and that he was a snake oil salesman and that we walked into a trap. But I think I'm liking what I'm seeing from Vio so far. I don't know about you, Elio, but a lovely cross from Kudasevsky I think we can all agree on Mm. that and another goal for Harry Kane against Leicester I mean when you actually look at the way we scored that goal you get the ball quickly to Perisic who gives it straight back to Kulusevsky who then beats his guy and puts a great cross in Kulusevsky can beat a guy and put in a great cross and Harry Kane is a very good header of the ball so Mm. you think to yourself why do we need a set-piece specialist to, <laughs> yeah. to come up with get the yeah. ball to our best cross, crosser? Cross to the guy um, who loves scoring with his head. And six like, it, it's, forward, yeah. um, it's a bit of a... But no credit to Vio. We're doing well for set-piece mm. goals since he's come in. So he's clearly simplified it a bit for them. And obviously there's another one to come to talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, I, I did feel a little bit like Harry Kane maybe got that header a bit easier than Brandon Rogers would have liked. But yeah. Harry Kane doesn't need the header to be easy to nah. score it. So I think... That's um, why they're bottom of the league. And th- yeah. One of many reasons anyway. Yeah. Well, Dave, right. I don't want to let this moment pass without giving you a chance to talk about your old mate. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the only defence I have, because I, you know, he was awful for Leeds, <laughs> um, is the fact that he was a set-piece coach for Leeds in the seventeen eighteen season. So he would have been most likely letting, oh, I don't know, maybe Samu Saiz or Hadi Saka or Berardi putting the crosses in for La Soga 
or Kimar Roof, who's notoriously massive. They agree some in the some of these names so, sound like made-up names from regional football managers. Exactly. exactly. Or, I think or, or what, what I'm saying of is pro-evolution soccer, where they used what to I'm just saying come is up. perhaps perhaps theory behind set pieces is better <laughs> when executed by Good one of players. the best strikers in the world <laughs> and perhaps. world-class wingers. Who would have thought it? And the thing is, like. Yeah, Perisic, Kulusevski getting yeah. the delivery in. I mean, for years now, we've had Ericsson's corners, which is the one thing he's actually really not very good at. Mm. And Son's not particularly great at them either. So I, I can't actually remember the last good, genuinely good regular corner taker we had at Spurs mm. is Modric wasn't particularly good at them back in the day either. I, I don't know if there has been one. Maybe Darren Anderson in the 90s. Harry Kane's but, pretty uh, good at them. Ask Gary Neville. He, he put him oh, on corners yeah, in 2016 for England. That's how that works out. What's a cockwomble? Um, <laughs> just tee you up there. We're, we're like Kane and Son with the assist there, Elio. I just set you up. <laughs> just put Neville out there and you smack it in. But yeah, absolutely. I think good players probably do help. But it's probably worth mentioning, actually, because I'm sure a lot of people will call out the fact that we've conceded a few set pieces. That's not Gianni Vio's job, to my understanding. He isn't actually responsible for defensive set pieces. I don't know if somebody is beyond just the regular coaching team, but apparently he is just an attacking set piece specialist. So in case anyone decides to try and throw that at him. Um, but speaking of which, we, we got another one shortly afterwards, and it was Eric Dyer. I love seeing Eric Dyer score. It's always great to see him score. And his goal is actually, it's not just his second of the season, and another assist for Gianni Vio. But it's actually made us the team in the Premier League with the most headed goals this season. We've already got only one fewer than we scored in the whole of last season. That can't be an accident, can it? It isn't. And you hear most headed goals in the league and you think, oh, are we beginning to turn into that kind of side? But how many goals have we scored from headers? Not sure, you know. My stat wasn't that complete, Elio. I, I just thought you'd accept it as it was. Sorry well, if it wasn't more detailed. Yeah, I would, say, I would say you'd be talking in the, in the sense that you've got you've scored a lot of headers, but you've scored a lot of goals. Therefore, yeah. the yeah, ratio yeah. of headed goals to total goals is different to say Yeah, Burnley. we're not Burnley, yeah. That's that what we're trying to get. That's the I was trying to build up yeah. to if Dagas actually researched these <laughs> nuggets that he gave yeah, us. Yeah, I thought but... I'd jump in in front of you, Elio. And just, uh... Yeah, he, he was just never, talking about giving me enough. assists a moment to go, but this was more like a... This was more like, like an a, expected assist. Yeah, this is more like a Jason Dizel sort of attempted cross that ends up in sort of the seventh <laughs> row or something rebound. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you've got like Klinsman waiting on marks in the box. Uh, yes, yeah, I and I'm just and I'm just Narnie stealing yeah. the goal off of Ronaldo that turns out to be offside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that the other day that was amazing that would have been such a good goal as well that would have been a beautiful goal um, but unlike my attempted assist just now Perisic's assist was lovely wasn't it it was a really good corner right foot he puts in so many good crosses I just think we're going to keep on scoring those kind of goals and it's not the last set piece goal we're going to score we will and I don't even think that's one of those goals where you can look at the opposition defending at all I think it was a great cross and it was a great header from Dyer as well um, I, yeah. I think Premier League football is always so hustle and bustle and it's so kind of all action and so many teams still to this day will sacrifice a bit of guile and a bit of technique for a mm. bit more kind of power and pace etc and I think the beauty of having a player like Perisic even though he's quick enough and he's not exactly a weakling but his main strength is his ability with a football and yeah. when yeah. and he can have a poor game like he did by his standard so far anyway against Leicester but because yeah. of his ability still do something like that which gives us the lead so I, I think absolutely loving him so far and he's added much more than I think I realised he would when yeah. we signed him which is true of a couple of our signings let me ask you something Elio because it looks as if our options are quite likely to be either Emerson at right back and Perisic as a left back or wing back as you'd say or 
Sessegnon on the left and Perisic on the right, which I think a lot of Spurs fans were very excited to see. And I would imagine, don't want to speak for all of our fans, but I imagine the majority would want to see that continue. Which would you prefer if we're saying those are the options? I know we've got Spence and Doherty, but given that Conte appears to be relying on Emerson as our right-back option, which of those two combinations would you prefer generally? First of all, I'm going to caveat a little of what you said there, just because Conte has come out and said that the reason Doherty's not really playing is because he's still not up to oh, okay. sort of the level to be able to. Um, let's good to remember hear, that Matty Cash did try and end his career last mm-hmm. season and escape without so much of as a free kick given against him. So, <laughs> the scumbag, he um, so did. Well, yeah, quite. So I do think that Doherty, if he does get back to last season's kind of level, whether that's fitness, whether that's ability. Remember, we're talking about sort of a player close to to the end of his career than the beginning so injuries like that take more of a toll as well if he gets there I think he will be an option but based on current sort of selection based on what we're seeing we know Emerson's got next to nothing to offer us going forward which is sad when you consider that he's actually a quick enough player and but he just doesn't have the mentality to do it like less technical players than Emerson like Doherty contribute more going forward because they at least think the way they need to it's just not instinctively natural to him Probably never will be. Who knows? It might be. Problem is, on the other side, I'm really beginning to wonder with Sessignon. I think... Yeah, that's why I asked you. I was excited when he scored in the game against Southampton. I think Sessignon is one of those players that he has... You say about him, he's got all the raw attributes. He's got sort of a bit of pace. He's got enough sort of meat on him. He's got decent technique. He seems to sort of be able to make good runs and things like that. But then when you actually see him in action he just doesn't put it all together and and it, it's I know he's a kid still I think he's what 22 but he's also been yeah. playing professional football at mm. high level first with Fulham and now with us for what five years now six years now he, yeah, he started definitely. young and you just begin to think he's racked up enough appearances he should have it by now he's been overseas and played in the Bundesliga as well he he's yeah. played at England at every youth level up until sort of the main team so you, you just begin to worry if he's ever going to have that sort of cutting edge to really push forward because we know he's not a left back in terms of a traditional left back though his defensive side was beginning to look like his stronger point until recently until this Um, game yeah and going forward, it's all well and good being able to sort of put in a decent cross or score a goal when you've got the time and the space to do it and you find yourself there. But he's just not aggressive enough to make those positions happen for himself right now. And, and it is mm. beginning to worry. And there's beginning to be a bit of an element. And I think this showed almost in a really bad chance we conceded because of his misreading of the ball. There's beginning to be a bit of an element of him being scared of the ball. And the second, mm. especially a young player, the second that happens you begin to worry what the direction they're going to go in. He's got the best manager to help him reverse any negative trends, but some players have a ceiling and some players hit that ceiling early. It's it's not terrible. He's not a bad player. He's a yeah. Premier League quality player. But So in answer to your question, I don't really know which of the two I prefer. Um, <laughs> Perisic and Doherty is the answer, basically, is what I think, the easy way out. Right now, yeah. But I think yeah. based on the fact that Perisic is best on the left and if our options for right wing back in Emerson or other left wing back in Sessegnon are both kind of equally not ideal keep Perisic where he's best and then do the best you can on the other side of the pitch yeah I don't know if this is a British Brexit rah 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 (laughs) perspective I would feel good if I was a Spurs fan 
but I'm not, so I don't care. But I'd feel good if in three years' time your left wing back was Cessna and your right wing back was Spence. They'd both be I 25. Be the plan. Yeah. They'd both be, you know, England internationals by that point, potentially England regulars, mm-hmm. um, depending on what the formation is that England would play. But, you know, that's surely the purchase of not necessarily Sessignon because that was so long ago, but certainly mm. Spence. You, you, you've got to see that as them two being the future. And I guess that, you know, I, I take your point, Elio, and the fact that Sessignon has been playing a long time and and yeah. that works against him, which is strange because, you know, you've got so many players and so many players that you look at and you just go, well, they've just got some zero experience and you <laughs> get excited because they haven't got any experience mm. and they could be great. But then on yeah. the flip side, you've got someone who's got loads of experience and you're like, yeah, but he's been, he, he's been around ages and he's not very good yet, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't looked and I don't know, but I, there are probably some people in your under-21s or that you've put out known and you've got high hopes for their future mm. that are older than Sessegnon. Well, this is the thing. Uh, I was about to say I'd that say he's so. in danger of falling into Jesse Lingard's territory, isn't he? He's been the perpetual youngster with a bright future who's actually been playing mm. for years and years. And it, it could be, we could turn around one day and he's 26 and we're still talking about him as this bright up-and-coming talent. Well, it's that's Harry really... Wicks as well. Um, well, yeah, exactly. So I guess the danger to Sessegnon after this season is we've currently got our recent uh, young Italian left back, um, Udogi. He's doing very well. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not, so I'm, I'm sure you Let's call him Destiny. Let's just call him Destiny. Yeah, he's over at Udinese starting every match. He's He played 35 games last season in his breakout season on loan with them, and he's on loan with them again this season from us. Yeah. P- playing from left back or left wing back or well, I don't even know what formation they play. He's got two yeah. goals already. On the top. And... Um, are well, they? They're, they're know, challenging. Actually. They're right up there. I think they've had they a really be. good start to the season. If I'm not but mistaken, he's he's apparently absolutely tearing it up at the moment. He's yeah. really having a good season. He looks an absolute sort of beast of a player, yeah. and the way he's marshalling that flank. And and he is the dictionary definition of a Conte wing back, isn't he? He's exactly he what you would is. describe. And that is definitely dangerous for Sessegnon because he's younger as well. He's 19 years old and mm. and he he looks to be exactly what you want. I mean, he absolutely tortured into this weekend, apparently. Yeah. Um, all right, one game. But yeah, I, I do worry. And yeah, Udinese are third in a point of the top in Serie A. So he's clearly playing in a good side and holding his own. Um, hey, I remember a certain young left wing back who tortured into a few years back who went on to do quite well. So you <laughs> well, know, maybe that bodes well. I think with Sessegnon, at the same age, I really didn't like Danny Rose. I didn't at all. I think he was on the <laughs> you, you say that like you ever did like Danny Rose, Elio. Come on. I did for a, We're I did all friends for a while. Here. I did for about two years until yeah. he opened his big mouth to the sun. Mm. But I think... He was a great player for a short period of time. He was, but when he was on loan at Sunderland and he was mouthing off about sort of how good he was, which as we know is a Danny Rose trait, um, <laughs> I I was thinking, who the hell are you? You're the guy that gets up the pitch, loses the ball just over the halfway line and then just gently jogs back while your teammates are marauding back to try and save mm-hmm. your screw-up. That's the impression I had of Danny Rose at that age. A few years yeah. later, he was... England's and ours rightful first choice left back when we were challenging for titles so Mm. clearly there is time for Sessignon to correct this however even Danny you always had that little bit of aggression that you saw in him and that little bit of fearlessness when he was out there I'm just not seeing in Sessignon that's the worry a player at that age Mm. you expect him to be fearless remember Aaron Lennon breaking out at 17 and didn't care about anything he was just trying he was dribbling past everyone and anything not because he was the most gifted player of all time though obviously he was very talented and very quick but because he went for it and Sessignon never goes for it and that really frustrates me because he should 
The worst that can happen is he'll lose the ball and he's got two midfielders on his side and three centre-backs to mop up the situation. And he can he's yeah. young enough and athletic enough to track back himself. So, uh, yeah, bravery yeah. is so important with a young wide player and he just doesn't seem to have it. Well, sticking with Cessna, it might not have been a coincidence that shortly after Leicester's equaliser, he was moved back over to the other side because he was at fault, I think, for their goal to make it Mm. 2-2 in part anyway Uh, and then we changed shape a little bit let's talk about that goal because maybe a controversy alert here because I I said at the time and I know I wasn't unanimous on this that I thought it was a little bit of a a fortuitous finish I thought it kind of came off his shin look wonderful player I don't want to take anything away from Madison I think he had a really good game I would say that wasn't one of his better chances in the game and I think there was a little bit of good fortune about the way it looped over Loris Dave what do you think about that goal do you think it was a little bit of a missed kick or would you give him the credit for it I mean, I've watched it a few times and I don't think it even comes off his shin. I think it comes off his knee. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you're on my side but, then. That's what but, I at the same time, but at the same time, you've got to be in that position, you've got to move your yeah. leg in that way and it yeah. went in. And it's so, a way. Exactly. exactly. And, and, it, and like Elio said, he's one of those players that you give the benefit of the doubt because he is that talented. And, and a yeah. confident player and a top-class player always tries that. I mean, I've always said, and Bagus, you, you've heard me say it on this show a million times, and obviously Dave has too, so mm. much of the difference between top-level footballers is what goes on between the ears. And yeah. you're not going to get, I don't know, Ashley Barnes trying that, for instance. James Madison does. <laughs> Poor Ashley. <laughs> Great player to start off with on a save of FIFA, that, but uh, more bashing of Burnley as well. And, and I, uh, well, I don't like Burnley. No, you've made Ashley that very Barnes, clear. Ashley Barnes is awful. You know, it's fine. He's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah I just I think even if there was a bit of fortune about it you deserve yeah. that fortune when you tried to do that in the first place and he did have a good game to be fair he's one of the few players that really fought for them and what is he doing in that team why couldn't we have signed him this summer but that's another matter we'll, we'll get why doesn't he that. get an England call up and why Jack Grealish he... continues to yeah. live off his villa form of two years ago indeed indeed but we could we could go down a really long and winding road if we start talking about that and it's worth mentioning but we'll probably come back to it in a little bit one man who has had an England call up a long overdue England call up is Eric Dyer so congratulations to him but we'll come back into that in just a moment um so 2-2 half time going in would you say that was a fair result at that stage do you think Leicester were riding the luck a little bit at half time um no I think 2-2 at half time was probably fair Mm. I think up until we scored our second goal we were the better team even when we conceded I felt we were the better team right up until that point it was coming we were open but we were playing quite aggressive football I thought we were playing some of the best football we've played this season we were pressing high Mm. Sanchez had a goal to make it 3-1 ruled out inexplicably in my opinion that was one of those why is the goalkeeper being Molly Coddletiff I I actually forgot about that if that's that. two players challenging in the middle of the pitch in the centre for a header, then nothing happens. Whistle doesn't blow. Why is the goalie being protected there? It mm. absolutely fucking pisses me off because the goalkeeper has basically been rewarded for being Weak. too slow to jump. The only reason Sanchez's arm went over the goalkeeper is because the goalkeeper jumped after yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, he didn't time his jump well. Yeah. That was a good goal and the referee needs to f*** off. But then Sanchez obviously hit the crossbar as well. I think after we scored that goal, Leicester responded well. We went into our shell a bit and Leicester deserved their equaliser. Oh, we got through Burnley and Danny Rose without Elio swearing, but referees tipped him over the edge. Exactly. Hey. I, th- I think... <sighs> And I don't know if I don't know if I believe in what I'm saying right now, but I feel like the ref should almost give that goal so that VAR can take a look at it and decide whether that yes. jump was a legitimate attempt to get the ball or if hmm. it was impeding That's the a very keeper. Good point. Because that is 
That's the whole point of it. That is the margin. That is the margin between what well, well, it might well, ended up being a comfortable win and uh, and, and, a, and a hard afternoon. And, and and I think a bit like offsides. It was a bit. Of, yeah, you almost you almost want to give it and then just have a look. And yeah, I I don't really have anything else to say about him. But I did. I, I agree. Also, handballed it, didn't he? Uh, the the defender came off the guy's arm, didn't it? After mm. after the challenge, I, I know it's after the point of the foul, but you know, arguments for a penalty there as well. Mm-hmm. I just I see what you're saying completely and I think the ruling is that sort of well I don't know if it's the ruling or the way they're meant to do it but when the referee makes a decision they will only overrule it if they don't see why the ref made the decision or something yeah. to that effect so yeah like you say give the goal and then let VAR look at it because VAR looks at every goal anyway rather than the ref makes a decision that is in my opinion wrong but follows a precedent of 20 years of Premier League referees protecting goalkeepers yeah, and then VAR exactly. does nothing. Maybe it's just referee realising that it was Danny Ward and Danny Ward needs a hug. <laughs> Poor Danny Ward. He's not All having right. a good time, is he? He's he really is. It's not just him. At the World Cup. All right. To be fair, it's not just him, but to be fair, yeah, they, they do need a new goalkeeper desperately, don't they? And probably good evidence of them needing a new goalkeeper is the fact that a man who had not scored since the 2018-19 season in the league in Rodrigo Bentenker made it 3-2 shortly after the break. That is harsh on Danny Ward because I actually think it was a really nice finish for someone who never scores. It I thought was that was a, nice a striker's finish. finish. It was a really nice finish, right in the corner, off the post. Mm. But have you seen the replay of looking towards the goal when Ben Tancor gets position? When Ben Tancor nabs the ball off Ndidi, mm. Danny Ward. <laughs> What's he doing? I think he's, I think he's standing next to his, on, in line with his post. And he's he just having a drink. moving all over the place. And he's like, oh my God, I have no idea. You could see it in his face. I, it was just yeah. like, I have no idea what my goal is. No yeah. idea. Maybe, maybe Benson would have squared. Right now. If it was any other keeper, maybe Benson Kerr would have squared to Hoiberg in space. But he thought, you know what? I fancy my chances against this amateur. Let me try my luck. Oh, yeah, no, nice finish. Sure. What do you think? I mean, yeah. and also, not just the finish. I mean, the closing down, the way he pressed and got the ball off in Didi of all people. Really, really well done. Nice goal. He said. So I think nice goal. Benson Kerr was our best player, in my opinion, yeah. as well. Um, all right, apart from. 30 minutes of song, obviously. <laughs> but, well, actually, 13, 73 yeah, to 86. Yeah. But uh, that's but to come I in at two of this podcast. Absolutely. But Benson Core, the way he sort of played all game, I just, I'm really falling in love with this player now. I think even though he's a more aggression version of, there's so much about Carrick about him in sort of mm. the elegance with which he does things. Like there's there's no time he's on the ball and looks clumsy. He just seems so born for it. And yeah. I, I have no idea how he was struggling to make a Juventus side that regularly plays Rabio, who is just a poor footballer uh, basically not even good enough for Man United apparently yeah. I just I, I so I, I like the goal I like the way he nicked and I think I want to see a bit more of that from him because he clearly has got a finish in him if he can do that and I do want my midfielders to be getting sort of six seven goals a season well, the next thing that happened was some very important substitutions and, and quite a few early substitutions as well, which was mm. something we'd not really seen too much from Conte. And I mentioned in the Champions League game, of course, we left it all very late to do anything. Mm. 59th minute, we had Emerson on for Perisic and obviously moved Sessegnon over to the other side. We had Son come on, of course, for Richarlison and uh, we, mm. we all know what happened there. Romero came off Sanchez as well. And a little later on, we actually had Basuma come on for Kulisevsky and we switched to a 3-5-2. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how that affected our play. But let's talk about Son, shall we? Let's talk about Son Heung-min. He'd barely been on the pitch. He's had eight games without a goal. And what a goal to break the droughts. I mean, Elio, you said at the time, you said when he hits it, you just knew 
you got that feeling, yeah, which is a big was, call to make about a player who who can't score a goal, can't buy a goal for love or money. Talk to me about that goal. I mean, he just came on and he was purposeful. He had a failed dribble shortly before that. He had another one where he actually did the hard part in nicking a ball, beating a player, and then ran into sort of traffic. So he immediately looked fired up and... I don't think he's ever really looked fired up this season and the mm. way it kind of ended up for him there. Was it was it Hoybier that no Hoybier was for his final goal, it was Benson yeah. that got in the ball for this one, wasn't That's it? Right. So yeah. the and second he got the, the ball, he was just running at them. I knew he was never gonna pass to anyone <laughs> once I know Hoy, he had Hoybier open there. I knew that wasn't gonna happen and I was getting ready to just, scream at him personally. I well, thought I saw Hoyberg. I saw Hoyberg in space and I was like, No son, don't shoot. Okay, yeah, shoot. No way. yeah. No yeah, way. You can and it was one of those where it was just a matter of which foot he chose. He just hit it absolutely perfectly. I do think a goalkeeper that's on his line in that moment probably saves it, but that's not mm. Son's problem. He got it in the corner. I get, Great I, goal. I, I don't think it's fair to blame Danny Ward on that one. I think that is just one of those where a lot of keepers would have been wrong-footed by that. It's easy to just say that keeper's rubbish, but I don't think he was really at fault for many of the goals in that game. No. I think maybe Son's third. He could have done better, but I think that was just a wonderful strike. And the celebration was so nice to see as well, wasn't it? Having a breakdown. I mean, it it was was almost like an outpouring of just relief. He didn't even go mad. He just kind of looked almost reserved. He just kind of let out a deep breath and was just so happy and relieved. It was so nice to see and all the players running over to him. And I really do believe that the floodgates will open for him now. He he basically got his kick kick up the butt Mm. and he's responded that way and I think he's not going to be out of the team for a little while. Do you think he might be one of these players that just responds well to being angry? Because there's a little bit. I mean, of, you said you said that he seemed to have this fire in his belly. We used to say it about Messi when we used to see Messi and he'd get a bad decision against him where he'd get fouled. You say, "Oh, Messi's angry now." It's like the Hulk. Don't make him angry. <laughs> Do you think there's a little bit of that that he needs that fire to, to behind him just to I think get all him? Footballers need that uh, to make a prove a point. I think all footballers need that. I think mm. all footballers need to feel a bit of edge about the way they do things. Doesn't matter if you're sort of uh, kind of slow the play down, elegant kind of player, or if you're a pace merchant or whatever. You you need yeah. to have that little bit of extra that testosterone running through you that just means that you're acute to everything going around you and you go out there to not give your opponent a chance. What's the thing contest? He says he wants us to kill the opponents. Kill the opponents. That's, that's exactly what Son Respond did when he came with on. Aggressivity. Yeah. Figuratively speaking. Yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> Figuratively, yeah. For, for legal purposes, we should clarify. Second goal was just as good as the first. Dave, what did you think of that? I mean, I don't know if you remember or if you've seen, but Son's second goal in this game was almost identical to a goal he scored last season against Leicester with his left foot this time. And what a hit. I mean, for two goals off the bench in a matter of minutes, you're not going to see many better than that, are you? No, it was a really good finish. One of those goals that you love to see, you know, it's, it, you yeah. know when your team scores one of those goals, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, we're on top now. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Let's all relax. We've got, we've got this yeah. guy and he's just scored that goal. I did notice him put his finger to his lips. I'm only assuming he's directed that at Elia for all the negative uh, comments <laughs> both, over the past few weeks. and me for all of last <laughs> season, I think, yeah. Um, but again, that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's the anger. The first goal was just a relief. It was just like, oh, I can breathe now. And then he, then he got his mojo back yeah. for the second one. Uh, but no, lovely goal. And it was his left foot, of course, and probably a good time to mention, the interesting stat sort of from um, Oliver Young Miles on Twitter. Son has mastered the art of shooting with both feet. Since the start of last season, he scored 26 Premier League goals, 13 with his right, 13 with his left. 
So he needs to work on his heading, basically. He does, yeah. Yeah, basically, (laughs) he's terrible in the air, is what the point of that was. But of course, he then closed it off with the hat trick. It wasn't quite as spectacular as the other two. We had to wait for VAR to give it, which correctly gave it as onside. Lovely ball through from Hoiberg as well, it must be said. But yeah, as far as substitute performances go, Elio, I think the only one that comes close was the last time we played against Leicester and found ourselves behind Stephen (laughs) Bergwijn. It's close. And, and Ronnie Rosenthal. Of and course, Rosenthal. Dave. Yeah, of course. Please never forget Israel's finest, the Rockets, Ronnie Rosenthal. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Son is the first Tottenham player in the Premier League to come off the bench and score a hat-trick, in case you didn't already know oh, that, which go. is Good a knowledge. remarkable stats in itself. I think when it works, obviously it works, and it certainly worked this time. And you have to put it down to a bit of a motivational masterclass from Conte in the way that he's Mm. obviously managed the situation. And it is, well, it certainly seems to be that it is working as well as you'd want it to work with people going in and out of form, people getting used to the way that the team is playing in the way that Richarlison has and slowly integrate him into the first team, into the starting 11. Almost perfect timing (laughs) that Son, you know, was, was struggling for form. Um, mm. And then obviously, you know, dropping Son, questions arise, could go right, could go wrong, went spectacularly right yeah. with a 6-2 victory where he scored a hat-trick. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have to put your hands up and say Conte has done the right thing there. I think, interestingly, the not quite paradox, but almost paradox of it is Sanchez and Romero, which 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 Elio mentioned earlier in the sense that, you know, you, you give Romero a little bit of a minor, a minor ticking off and drop him for, yeah. for a game and then you have to rush to get him back on the pitch because his replacement's an absolute chocker. Um, so yeah, it's, not, yeah, it's, a, it's you know it's swings and roundabouts, but mm. they're not going to be talking about that because you won six two. They're going to be talking about the guy that's got three goals in fourteen. Of minutes. course they are. Yeah, mm. that's a really interesting point actually, Elio. I want to get your thoughts on this because Conte will feel vindicated, won't he? Not just in terms of his rotation recently, but also in terms of the signings and the squad depth that he's added because. It is kind of all going to plan. Son having a patch like he did in recent years would have been a real problem for us. It wasn't this time. And it looks as if Son being rested or put on the bench for this game got exactly the right response out of him. Conte will feel quite happy with his decisions off the back of this, won't he? Absolutely. And I think ultimately when your team wins and when they win by a decent margin in the end, even if there are nervy moments, you always have to say the manager got it right. And he did. I think, like I say, the decisions were vindicated. But I think mm. bigger picture here as well, this is why we signed Richarlison. We've now got Kane, Kulisevsky, Son and Richarlison, who are all very kind of worthy players of starting spots. Kane is obviously untouchable pretty much, but yeah. you've, you've got these guys. And then even after that, you've still got Lucas, who I think is harshly criticised by Spurs fans and for all mm. his flaws I still reckon probably makes the starting squads of 11-12 of the sides in this league quite comfortably and you've got Hill as sort of the sixth choice attacker as sort of this young high potential player all right the reason I think we kept him in the end rather than let him go on loan yeah. is because we, we couldn't, couldn't find well no we could he, he had an option to go and we we cancelled it because we weren't able to get in whoever it was we were after at the same time that's the oh, only reason he's okay. here now so yeah but uh, there's far worse players you can have if he's your sixth choice player yeah. then then I think you're doing all right. And just looking at sort of our players at the moment, I mean, Kulisevsky this season, he's got only the one goal, but he's got three assists in seven league games. You've got Son now, who's got his hat-trick, so he's got three goals, and I think he's got the one assist that he got in the first game as well, so decent amounts as well in six games in half an hour of football. Kane's obviously now got six goals as well in the league. I think he's got the one assist in there, or maybe more, I'm not not sure, but he's doing well. Richarlison 
Carlton's got a couple of assists in the league, having had by far the least playing time, and he got his two goals in the Champions League. So you've got four players there all pushing each other, and that's a beautiful thing. I think Kane is going way under the radar. I think the fact that he has scored six goals in six games isn't really being talked about enough. I, I think because obviously so Erling Haaland... A few more, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Erling Haaland is obviously, yeah, he's, he's a ridiculous phenomenon and everyone's talking about him, but... Kane six and six and playing very very well and especially when you compare it to the start he made last season and how long it took him to get off the ground he does seem to be performing really well and he's got enough players to set up like you say I don't know if he's got more than one assist but I'd be surprised if he hasn't and he probably will get many many more as well so yeah all looking very very good and in fact our 17 points from our opening seven league games this season is a joint best record at this stage of the campaign in the Premier League joint with 2016-17 season where of course the only man who was able to beat us was Antonio Conte at Chelsea mm. that year and we came second so it's hard to pick too many holes in Spurs at the moment isn't it Elio I mean I know we're not perfect and, and in a way there's something encouraging about the fact that we've got room for improvement and we're doing this well but with our biggest game of the season to come which we're going to get onto in just a moment how are you looking mm. back on the starts of the season and how um, happy are you? I'm very happy imperfect start in terms of performances brilliant start in terms of results we've got sort of our key players maybe not completely on fire Kane hasn't actually been playing his best but he's been scoring goals so not going to criticize yeah um I think what I'd like to evolve across the season is just a little bit better balance with what we do with the football because there's still a lot of sloppiness. There's still a lot of, I guess, erraticism about our play. I think that will evolve. I think Longley on the ball looks great. Off the ball uh, in terms of defending a bit iffy, but the guy's... That's what we expected, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, he's played three matches as well after sort of a year with Barcelona where he just had a torrid time. So give him time. Um, But no, all going in the right direction. Do I think we'll win the league? No. Do I think second or third is achievable or likely? Why not? There you go. Well, we've got a little while until our next game, but it is an absolute blockbuster away at the Emirates at Arsenal. So, of course, we had a horrible time the last time we travelled to Arsenal and we lost 3-1 in the end and it was a pretty fair result, I think. We were outclassed in that game and it was probably a fair 3-1. Of course, a lot has happened since then. We've since played them again. We've beaten them. And again, it was a game that we probably deserved to win. Arguably the first time in a while that we're playing Arsenal and both teams are on comparable form. And I think it's probably the tastiest Spurs-Arsenal game that we've seen in a while in terms of comparing the two teams. And we've got some contrasting styles. We've got two teams who are scoring goals, two teams that are looking pretty good. How do you see that game playing out? I mean, listen, last season when we played them, both sides were neck and neck and mainly winning matches as well. But, yeah, this, but they were starting this to throw it away a little bit, weren't they? They, they just lost the game to Newcastle. That's we were true. sort of in the ascendancy. I think we were favourites in that game quite strongly. I think you're right that this is a very tasty one. And also because actually, because of the order of fixtures that weekend, whoever wins it will be top of the league at least for a little while as opposed to just getting into Mm. fourth. So I think that's an added spice to it. I think we've had marginally the harder fixtures so far because of the Chelsea and West Ham away games. But at the same time, they also had Manchester United away, which they lost. I think... It's going to say a lot about both sides and also not a lot because you always have to account for the emotion and the atmosphere mm. of a North London derby it's a bit of a one-off, yeah. as well. It, it throws that kind of joker into the pack, doesn't it? But at the same time, these are two sides that the majority of players have been together for a good while now. The managers have a fair handle of what they're doing and they're both sort of, in quotation marks, on form. So yeah. it's going to be really tasty. The thing is, 
since the season you just alluded to, sort of 16-17, when we challenged for the title, that's the last time that we had a significantly better points total, I believe, than Arsenal at the end of the season. Since then, I think we've always been within sort of at most two or three points of each other at the end of the season. So we've actually yeah. been neck and neck with Arsenal for quite a few years and just edging them towards the end. So mm-hmm. so I, I'm really curious to sort of see what version of us turns up. And I really hope it's a confident take the game to them and throttle them version as opposed to one that's going to be more concerned about the fact that Arsenal are playing quite nice, attractive football at the moment. I, I don't want us yeah. to be scared of them going into that game because I think if we are, then we'll lose. I think if we actually go into that game and we're like, well, you play good football, but so can we. Yeah. I think we need to be prepared for the fact that they're going to have a lot of the ball, though. If you look at the way they've played and the way we've played, even in our wins, even in our good performances, we've not had the lion's share of possession. And they're obviously a team that are quite clearly modelled in the style of Man City, Man City B team that Arteta is trying to put together. Dave, how do you see that game going? If you had to call it from now, not just the score, but in terms of the way the game's going to play out, where do you think that game's going to be won and lost? Um, Let me take it back a little bit further and just kind of talk it all through where my mind's going at the moment so obviously yeah. Arsenal are the top of the league they've lost one game they've won the other six yeah. and they're on good form and they're playing some decent stuff and scoring a few goals mm. um, not an incredibly tight ship at the back but neither are you so you know I think the, the chance of some goals is high it's at the Emirates it's not at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yeah. so that immediately even whatever you think about it being a library mm. it gives Arsenal the advantage they will be um, I remember I remember the first time we talked about this and I was talking about October being really difficult for them I've just re-looked at the fixture list because when I previously looked at the fixture list it was they had you they had Liverpool they had Hulls Leeds yeah. and then they had City that has been replaced by well City has been postponed apparently I don't know what's going on there um, yeah, I saw that. Putting, putting the game in the midweek during a Champions League week would probably do it. Um, don't know what the Premier League mm. were thinking of there. But they've got you, but then they've got a double header with Bodo Glimt, who are no pushovers, with the Liverpool game in between. Then they've got us. Then they've got a double header with a very decent PSV Eindhoven team with Southampton mm. in between. And then they've got Forest. If I were you, I would go there with the sole aim of not losing. If you don't win, you don't win. But if you don't lose, let Arsenal do what Arsenal do and struggle in those what mm. looks like 30 games that they've got in October. <laughs> um, I think they've got like yeah. nine games in October. So mm. let them have all those games and let yeah. them and let them struggle. I mean, don't get me wrong, you've got plenty of games in October, but I, quite frankly, have more faith in Conte to be able to rotate his team. I have more faith in the actual squad of Tottenham being a rotational squad rather than Arsenal's. So I would say get out of there without losing any ground to Arsenal and let Arsenal do Mm. what they're going to do for the next month. I know it's a kind of a figure of speech, but I'm always a little bit nervous when people talk in terms of going out there and trying not to get beaten because that implies you're playing for a draw. And I know what you're getting at. And obviously, yeah, that's the, the main thing is to make sure you're not going to concede goals, of course. Yes, but it's nothing I don't stupid. think we should go there it's thinking, let's stupid. play don't, for a draw. Let's not try and sit back and play for a nil-nil. On, on it and dive yeah. into every tackle. Don't, Perisic, yeah. don't get the eyes. Romero, mm. stay in your box. <laughs> and, you know, everybody just try the and be eyes. a little bit chill in, in what will be quite a heated atmosphere. Although, you know, twelve thirty on Saturday is never really a heated atmosphere. I can't really remember the last <laughs> this really, one might be, Dave. really punchy twelve thirty kickoff. They're <laughs> always a little bit meh. When they've um, been drinking since nine AM, I think it might be a bit punchy. Well, we'll that's see. only three and a half hours. 
bags, you know. <laughs> and they're usually drinking they call that from a warm-up in Leeds, do they? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think it'll be a really good game and everybody will be watching it because it is first v third and, like Elio mm-hmm. rightly said, winner goes top for at least a few hours. So I think it'll be an interesting match. I think Arsenal have the potential to beat you. I think you have the potential to beat Arsenal. An entertaining draw would be a good result for you and the Premier League. Well, talking about a draw, we ran a poll on Twitter asking our followers if they would take a point in that fixture on the 1st of October. And 53% of our followers said no, they would not settle for a point against Arsenal. Elliot, where do you stand on that? It's a close one. I, I do the old thing where I look at the players in our team and I look at the players in their team. I look at our manager and I look at their manager and they have some players that I think would improve us. I, I wouldn't have said that sort of when we were going head to head with them at home last season towards the end. But yeah. uh, obviously Saliba has come in Saliba and done very well already. Day, Gabriel is playing very well as expected. Are, all, are Gabriels, they all three Gabriels are playing very all well. All three Gabriels quite. Are they playing better than Dyer and Romero? Mm. Debatable. But let's say we take at least one maybe two of their defenders never take Ramsdale over Loris in <laughs> 7,000 years of ridiculous being played Tierney or Perisic probably six of one half a dozen of the other they're currently playing Ben White at right back we're playing Emerson at right wing back I mean yeah. I like Ben White he's not a right back so mm. I can live with that don't think any of their forwards displace any of our forwards so I think the teams are fairly evenly matched and we probably just edge it yeah I think I'll be satisfied if we come out with a point, but at the same time, I do think we have the ability to win it. So yeah. I'd rather, well, obviously I'd rather we did that. <laughs> rather we go out for it. I mean, it depends on the, on the performance as well, right? If we go there and we get absolutely pinned back and they hit the post three times and we're mm. really lucky to cling on. So if it's like Chelsea, for example, I mean, we can all agree Chelsea deserved to beat us and we, we scraped through and got a draw in the end and we were tough and we're resilient and there's merit in that. But mm. I guess, yeah, if, if it's like that, I don't think we'll be left thinking yeah, that was a good result. I think if it's a draw by rights and it's a fair, even game and we're at their ground and we come away with a point, we can say, that's good. We're very close to them. We've still got the home game to go. Fixtures are switching around now. They're going to have European games too. And I think it'll look pretty rosy at that point. But obviously, the performance is going to have a big bearing on how we're all feeling I was feeling surprised afterwards. with what they did to Brentford, to say the truth, because Brentford's yeah, they've been good. Are, are a good side. They found think- that out. I think Arsenal got very fortuitous with the cancellation. Why was that cancelled of their Europa League game? I don't know. COVID. Rail strikes. Dodgy lasagna. One, one thing or the other. Dodgy Sunday is, is not meant to be the ideal scenario, but they got away with one there, as Arsenal do. Yeah. They like having fixtures postponed for innocuous reasons. Mm. No, I agree with that. And the Brentford thing, I think Brentford have looked really strong, and they made them look very ordinary, I thought. Mm. And I think a lot of the focus this season has been on the fact that Arsenal have only played rubbish teams. And I don't think that's entirely fair. I mean, obviously, okay, they played Man United and they lost. And even in that game, I think a lot of people said they were probably the better team and they got done on a couple of counterattacks. I think Brentford, even though they're not one of the glamorous big six they're a really good team they've scored a lot of goals they scored four against man united they scored five against you guys and i think arsenal really contained them quite well um and i'm a little bit frightened of them i think i am one of those people that would be happy with a point all things considered with the way things are but i think we definitely are capable of beating them what lineup do you think is going to give us the best chance of beating them though because obviously we're now at a point where all of our forwards are performing. Son's now broken his duck. Kane's got six and six. Kulisevsky's come flying back after a few games off. Richarlison has been great every time he's been mm. on the pitch. Everyone's going to be presumably fit, although, dare we say, an international break, God knows what's going to happen. But let's assume everyone miraculously comes back and we've got more or less a full squad to pick from. What's your lineup against Arsenal? 
lineup, I think it's going to be the usual three forwards. Richarlison's going to be back on the bench by virtue mm-hmm. of the fact, assuming everyone's fit, by virtue of the fact that the other three all had better games than him just now, and they're the three most proven as well. Yeah. Midfield will be the same. It's wing backs where it's interesting. It'll be Perisic plus one. I think probably Perisic and Emerson will be that. And yeah, then, probably. As long as fitness permitting, because Davies, I know, has picked up a, a fractured leg and Loris has pulled out of the French squad, but fitness permitting, it'll be the usual back four yeah. as well. No Sanchez really, this time. Uh, no Sanchez this yeah. time. It's going to be a predictable team. I know that we played 3-5-2 against Leicester and it looked good. That was at a point where they were chasing the game and we stifled out the midfield and were playing against tired legs with mm. Angry Son on the pitch at the same time. I don't think we'll start a game at this point with 3-5-2. Because mm. the, only, the only way he starts with 3-5-2 is actually if he's doing what Dave said. And I really like 3-5-2 generally. I just don't think we have a player for it and have a creative central midfielder as such. But the only way we go 3-5-2 will be if Conte's of the same kind of mindset as Dave and thinks, yeah. you know what, if we get a point today, it's not the end of the world. And yeah. maybe when the game gets stretched later on, then go to a 3-4-3. We'll yeah. see. Uh, I think it's going to be no surprises. Maybe a bit of a tangent, but do you think Kulisevsky could form part of a midfield three? Because I know we've I, talked about how he could I've do a very that. good job in the middle. Um, could this be a chance? You don't want to experiment in this game of all games, but just yeah, generally, do you think that could be a role for him and, and have a three-five-two um, and have him as the, the creative link between the midfield and the attack? So in my mind, Kulisewski isn't going to be a wide player forever. Yeah. I think he's going to end up either sort of playing down the middle from midfield or up front. And he, he's definitely got the strength for either and he's got more than enough kind of work rate and closing down for the middle. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of a certain Musa Dembele a about Dembele, him who also yeah, made say. that transition back into midfield. Yeah. But you might say that would be a waste of his goal threats, but is playing as a central midfielder in a three-man midfield a waste of De Bruyne's goal? threats you tell me so no, exactly yeah so i could imagine it i think from our current selection of players in our squad if we did have a three-man midfield i would want him to be one of those three because i don't want to have three defensive midfielders in the same side and all of our pure kind of cms are defensive midfielders i think that would kill us mm. creatively i don't think now's the time to try it he's <laughs> on form playing in his current position let's keep him there dave if you were a Spurs fan would there be a small part of you thinking this would be a lovely time to throw richarlison into the mix in a game like this with all his antics with all that he famously does to wind up opposition and the way this game is likely to be do you think this is his moment or do you think you bring him off the bench when the game's at a crunch point to wind players up to press to start doing what he does and maybe get the winner and throw a flare into the crowd. I do think this is his moment, and I don't think I'd play Kulisevsky. I'd start Hmm. with Richarlison and Son and Kane, and I would use Kulisevsky off the bench to do what he has done quite a few times already this season, uh, which is is basically shake it up with his pace and his his directness. I think Richarlison is a weapon um, in more ways than one, probably. Uh, Negative and positive. When it comes to these kind of games, you know, I love Ben White for what he did at Leeds for that season alone but no one's really wound him up yet so let's get Richarlison right next to him giving him a, giving him a bit a bit of what he doesn't want and see what happens yeah. and and I think you know not to roll back the years to the Wenger years where Arsenal have got a soft underbelly but let's test it 
you know, yeah. we don't know. We haven't seen anything of, you know, even... Did, did Manchester United beat them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Been, Must have been yeah. a fluke. Either way, <laughs> they, they, if I remember anything, they weren't in their face because that's not what Man United are anymore. There's no Roy no. Keynes in that team. So you should play confidently, but you should also mm. play on the wind-up and play professional football because that's essentially what part of professional football is. It's the ability yeah. to, to essentially get in someone's head and then win the game. And Richarlison's your guy for that. So yeah. I think... I think you Him know, and Romero, it's, anyway. It's, you and Arsenal run the risk of being a nice... Don't get me wrong, I know you hate each other, but a nice-to-watch derby. So <laughs> injecting some chaos is not a bad thing, I don't think. And I think Richarlison's the guy to do that on the right side of the law. Obviously, Romero and Perisic and Royale on your on your left what, are the guys what have you to be on the wrong. against Perisic? Or what, what is what is this idea that you've got that Perisic is uh, a oh, man, man waiting he's, to come he's, out? He's, oh yeah, you think he's, he's going to have some seen, kind of PTSD flashbacks to military guys, service? And he's, he's clearly seen neck. things. He clearly might. You know, you ever seen you ever seen Mean Machine when the monk just goes loony in his mind? <laughs> that that's 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 Perisic oh. the whole time. Oh dear, mm. I could oh, dear. put this cross in, or I could you know scissor kick someone in the temple. <laughs> Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. But it's going to be interesting. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of Arsenal passing the ball around on the edge of the box and us being very compact. And I think where we will get joy is on the counter-attack because that's how Man United beat them. That's how we beat Man City. And if they're trying to play in the style of a Man City, then you know that could be the way. But we'll see. We'll probably have another chance to talk about that before we, we get onto that game anyway because we've got a couple of weeks. And of course, once this happened, we are going to talk all about it and tell you all about our three or four goals that we put away against them to go top of the league. And I can't wait for it. So uh, look forward to that coming up. Right. Well, while you're here, if you're still listening, please do try and follow us on social media if you get a chance and follow us on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. You can follow me at Plus Dave Dags. You can follow Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC and Dave at Fantasy Dave. And please rate and review us on whatever you listen to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you leave us a nice review and a nice five-star rating. And yeah, thanks to everyone who's listening as always. Um, I think all we really have left now is Challenge Elio, which regular listeners will know is our trivia game. And uh, it used to be hosted by me. It's now hosted by Elio. We've decided that he knows a bit more about football and a bit more about Spurs than me. So it's probably best to leave it in his hands. So Elio, do you have a Challenge Elio ready for us today? I absolutely do. Kept it a little short and sweet this week because we obviously had a lot to talk about on the football fronts. But same form as usual, three questions. And let's see how we go with that. Obviously, as ever, I just want to remind viewers that uh, this season, the questions are researched and accurate in their answers. And um, <laughs> we, we fully intend to keep it that way so for as long as we'll have it. <laughs> you are setting us up to fail a little bit. but I am somewhat, but you know what? That, that's how confident I am in both how good I am and how bad you were (laughs) (laughs) a bit like Son shooting from 25 yards against Danny Ward exactly like you just know that as soon as it leaves my mouth it's going to be gold Um, (laughs) (laughs) wow wow and I feel like that was almost onomatopoeic and how much that comment made its own point so uh, (laughs) read into that what you will and don't ask me to spell onomatopoeic please (laughs) no we don't have time for that so the other day we had our match against Sporting Lisbon. We played against ex-Spurs potential prodigy Marcus Edwards, mm. uh, once dubbed by Maurizio Pochettino as our mini Messi. Sadly, it did not transpire to be the case. I mean, Messi's Spurs. pretty short. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how tall is Edwards? Like four foot six. 
<laughs> I think what Pochettino meant was more like a Messi light. And yeah, obviously, that is over the top praise. I mean, Pochettino also calls Winks a uh, little Iniesta. Once again, Iniesta <laughs> being a very small player. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I think what maybe he gets a bit excited, old Mopo. However, Danny Rose, little Roberto Carlos. Absolutely. Edwards did play very well against us. We are going to face a number of ex-Spurs players in the Premier League this season. I'm only going with players who have both appeared for Spurs and have appeared for their current clubs. So no ex-Spurs youth players who never played or current substitute goalkeepers or anything like that. But please name those nine players. And uh, I'm going to start off with Dave, given the severe handicap he'll have in this. So this is nine players in the Premier League who play for current Premier League clubs. Spurs. Who have played yeah. for Spurs. Yeah, current Premier League players who have played oh, for Spurs. God. There's oh, a few God. obvious ones in there, so you may want to bash through those ones first. I'm not sure they're, I have they're not as obvious single as you one. think. They're obvious when you remember them, but it's not that simple when they're not staring you in the face. Mm. I've got a couple in mind. Um, I can give up our clues throughout as well, if you like. Can I have a clue? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. no, you can't, Dave. Don't be ridiculous. You've got the whole goal to aim at. Um, I'm really struggling. <laughs> For one ex-Spurs player in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't spot Spurs and I don't care enough. I, know, I, I feel like I'm going to have to think about it. Shall I go and, first? Yeah, I think, I think Dags, you go, uh, don't take it as a pass. Let's like, just assume that Dags is going to go first anyway. Yeah, and this is just, just, yeah. this is just wonderful vamp. <laughs> I've got two in mind. This isn't the most obvious of the two, but I'm going to say Kyle Walker-Peters. Carl Walker Peters at Southampton, correct. You could have you could have rolled that a little bit longer, Dags. I'm not Elio. <laughs> I <laughs> remember about, when he made his great... debut. It was a sunny afternoon. Like yeah. Gregor scored against that. Leeds, maybe. This is where I tell you both that uh, you'll get bonus points for style. No, joking. Right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you want another attempt? Gosh. He's a clue. There are think a lot of same right position. backs in there. Yeah. There are a lot say, of right backs in there. Think in the same position. Uh, Carl Walker. Carl Walker, very well done. He still plays from the Premier League, doesn't he? He does he indeed. Does. As does Kieran Trippier. As does same Kieran position. Trippier. That's a thing, isn't it? It is it's a thing. It's like Tottenham Hotspur providing Radbats to the Premier League since 1999. <laughs> there was a time when you'd have got Carl Norton in there as well. Yeah, well, I, that, he was yeah. on my list that I'd written down, as was Aaron <laughs> Lennon, who I'm pretty sure doesn't play in the Premier League anymore. He's not playing for anyone no. as far as I'm aware. I did check. He does not. <laughs> But he always looks so happy when he signs. <laughs> resting, resting. I hate my life face. Ali <laughs> uh, right. no longer plays in the Premier League. He's gone off to no, Turkey. No, that was another one that I had on my list. Yeah, good. Mm. I, I, I'm nailing players that didn't quite currently play. For, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> players that have played for Spurs that, that no well, longer I'll, play in the Premier I'll League. You, That's what, great. Dave, you, you named a player a moment ago that, well, Dagus just named someone who was... At, uh, oh, I've got one. Christian Eriksen. There it is. Well done. I must admit that was the first one I thought of. Um, oh, I had one a second ago and it's just gone. Okay, this is a bit of a long shot. There's probably more obvious ones than this. I don't know if... Do you, do you say that they have to have played for their new club? I mean, or they have to be in their registered squads, okay. basically. I don't know if this ever went through, but it's Serge Aurier at Nottingham Forest. Serge Aurier is at Nottingham no, Forest. Like, well, yes, another right, back. another right back. I was thinking right back, so he just popped into my head. <laughs> you, just haven't, you don't have to say any other position. Would, uh, would it be showing off if I won this, only naming right backs? <laughs> I mean, no, you no because you're a Spurs fan and I'm not. <laughs> Keep telling yourself, Dave. Um, I'm going to write down the ones we've said, actually, because you know how my memory gets. So we've had Walker-Peters, we've had Trippier, Ericsson, Aurier. 
and Walker. Mm. And there's four more. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's Dave's go. So as I was trying to allude to before you mentioned Ericsson, Dagas spoke about Deli Ali no longer being where he is, but that club may have an mm. ex-Spurs player still in place. He's just taken my next guess if he gets it. I don't know if he will get it, though. Um, no, I'm, I'm struggling. No, I, I, I don't think I've got anything. I'm going to have to pass. Yeah. Fair enough. I think Elio is referring to Andros Townsend. Elio is referring to Andrus Townsend, and that gives Dagus a 4-2 lead on this. So there's only three players left. Oh, wow. <laughs> Starting to struggle. And I still haven't got anybody. Um, I'm trying to think of players like Aurea who went away, left the Premier League entirely, and have since come back. I'm sure there must be more of those. I'm also sure we must be missing a really obvious one as well. Like, You're actually not. We're not? The, okay. The last three are probably the hardest three on the list. And Oh, God. We're going to be here a while, aren't we? <laughs> well, no. Uh, there will come a point where I will ask you to just want to call it a dagger swim. And you'll say yes. And, I'll and just I will say never. never. Say never. never Give I me ever. clues. Never will I ever. Give me clues. <laughs> oh, I I'm just trying to remember who's in the Premier League right now. Two of these players are at Bournemouth FC. Yeah, well, I, I seem to be at... Does the manager hey, count? I know oh, he's rubbish, gone. Me? Rubbish team. I was about to say Scott Parker, but he's not even there anymore. And all three of them at promoted clubs. Oh, okay, I guess that helps. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm suddenly distinctly less confident about this round. The remaining players in it. Well, you're winning four two. Let's see if Dave wants to give you the win on this or not. Nah, he won't do that. <laughs> so what have we got? We've got. Forest, Fulham, and Bournemouth. Bournemouth, and you say two of them are at Bournemouth. Yeah, and two of them are at Bournemouth. One of these three players. I mean, anybody could be at Forest. Yeah, true. One of these <laughs> yeah. three players. <laughs> One of these three players is on loan at his club, and Ooh. the other two are both Spurs youth products. Two of these players are right backs. Jesus, of course they are. Um, the player on loan at his current club was also on loan at Spurs. At this point, either of you can shout out when you... Is Kyle Norton still playing? He is not in this list. Um, either of you can shout out an answer at this point. Let's yeah. go back and forth. Um, has, has, has Galini gone on loan somewhere? Not in oh, England. He hasn't. I think he's no. in Turkey. Two of these players are English and mm. one is Brazilian. <laughs> I was about to say Gilbert. <laughs> um, Brazilian? What? Oh, man. How am I this not remembering tough. an ex-Spurs Brazilian player? This is really tough. <sighs> okay. It ends when either Dave concedes or Dagger says, let's call it a draw. <laughs> is there no more clues? <laughs> is that the only, they're the only <laughs> options, are they? Even though I believe I'm currently ahead, I, I have to call it a draw. Okay. okay. Well, if Dave's not going to concede. I want another clue. Can I have a clue, please? We've had a lot of clues. <laughs> so it's starting to become embarrassing. I mean, it's going to Brazilian. Get... Wait, so a Brazilian I... player at one of the promoted clubs. So like I said, of these three players, one is on loan and that player was also oh, on loan with us. Is, is Carlos Vinicius right at one of the Carlos clubs? Carlos Vinicius is at one of these I, clubs. I did not know that. I was a guess. Yeah. Is he really? Wow. Wow. He, he really is. Really? He's at Fulham. He is at no Fulham. Way. He came on against us again. Yeah, he came on that against us insane. the other day. I never saw that. Okay. I, know, I didn't right. know that. I, I, I didn't know that. So I did, I'm not going to beat myself up. Dave, are we, we going to call it a draw now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've just won. Draw. You've just uh, you've just got your fifth point out of nine. So that's yeah. a Fulham player. So there's two Bournemouth players. 
There are. Um, I'll tell you who they are. They are both ex-Spurs youth products. Adam both Smith right and Ryan Fredericks, both right backs. Yeah, no, was, Ryan Fredericks is a Spurs. Ever, uh, Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't ever going to get one. those. I'm, I'm happy yeah, you told us. Good question, though, yeah. Only ever played three matches for us, I believe, all of them in Europe. Adam Smith came on in one league match for us against Liverpool and got a big standing ovation and then was never seen again. <laughs> Interestingly, not registered with them, but Fulham also still holds ex-Spurs youth product Josh Onoma. So there's a oh, fair, yeah. f- fair few Spurs ex-youths around the league. Yeah. I, I thought about him the other day because I saw that meme that went around when there was a screenshot of the Spurs lineup and it said, when you lose your son in a shopping centre, and it just said, Onoma, son. Oh no, my son. <laughs> oh dear. It's a lot funnier uh, when you look at it than when you read it out on a podcast. I, I am not going to comment on that. Um, <laughs> all I'll say is that we've got six experts fullbacks in that list. Several and of we're them, still playing Emerson um, Royale. <laughs> exactly. How many Jesus of them are better Christ. than Emerson? I think I'd say Carl Walker-Peters. Yeah, Carl, Carl Walker, Walker, obviously. Kieran Trippier. Yeah. And maybe even Serge Aurier over him. I mean, oh, God. rise. He would have I... done what Sanchez did, but get sent off in the process. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd take Aurea, but the others definitely. Um, so my next question today is all about hat-tricks because Son just came off Ooh. the bench and scored a hat-trick. Ronnie Rosenthal. Out- <laughs> Ronnie Rosenthal is not in this list. Who scored Spurs' first Premier League hat-trick? Are we just shouting out? Yeah. Teddy Sheringham? Teddy Sheringham, correct. Educated guess. Son also famously got four in a game once for us against Southampton that match when Harry Kane set up all the goals with the exact same pass. However, which other Spurs players have scored four or more goals in a Premier League match? Dave, do you want to have a go at this? I've got a couple in mind. Um, Klinsman. Good. Klinsman is correct. Against Wimbledon? Uh, Yep. And how many? How many did he score in that game? Yeah. Wasn't well, it four? Because no one's ever scored five. That's well, not, I think Shearer scored five. No. So Klinsman got four against got uh, four. Wimbledon. I was at that match. Um, Wasn't so, that four all or something? Or, no, no, it was like six. Six, two. six yeah. Saved oh, yeah, us from relegation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was at Selhurst Park. So yeah, Klinsman's one of them. Um, any more shout-outs between yeah, the two of you? I'm going to go and shout-out Jermaine Defoe in the match I mentioned earlier, the 9-1 against Wigan. And he did score five, didn't he? He did score five to equal the Premier League records uh, that uh, Andy Cole had set. And I think one mm. player might have done it again since. But And Holland definitely will this season. Obviously. I'm sure, so, yeah. So Jermaine Defoe is another. Three more players left that have scored four or more. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Robbie Keane? Robbie Keane is one of them. Very good. I didn't know that. Which was that? That was um, against Hull, I believe. Uh, Also in the same season as nine against Wigan. (laughs) That's Harry Redknapp football. Well, yeah. Um, I believe Dimitar Berbatov scored four in a game that I was at, if I'm not mistaken. It was against Reading. And it it was another goal fest, like 6-4, was it? It was a 6-4. There were also two goals from Dave Kitson that day. Was it 6-4 or 6-2? No, it was 6-4, yeah. Yeah. Testament to how terrible Reading were, because no doubt, as soon as Berbatov scores his hat-trick goal, he's he's having a cigarette. He's not even trying, (laughs) and he's still got another goal. I watched a goal earlier, a highlight of a Berbatov goal for Man United, where he somehow managed to run the entire length of the pitch, playing one-twos, and barely broke a sweat. I don't think he (laughs) reached four miles per hour and then finished it at the end with the most casual finish, the most Berbatov goal ever. He was pretty good. Pretty special player. 
Two so, more. Um, you've got no. You've got four of them. You've got Klinsman, Defoe, Keane, and Burbatov. So one player <laughs> remaining who has scored four goals or more for us in a Premier League match. I love the way who you say it? Burbatov. Is that how it's supposed to be pronounced, or are you just being facetious? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I mean, like Harry, Harry Kane. And Dave takes the round. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Why that wasn't the, the first Occam's razor coming in clutch yeah, again? The old Occam's razor. <laughs> I thought that was a nice question because that they're was. all fairly obvious shouts. Um, back in the game. Kind of back in the game. Which means so. it's a shootout on the who am I? You're one, no, you're one all on hat-tricks. Staggis, you took the, the first round, obviously, oh. on ex-Spurs players. But one all on hat-tricks. There's a third hat-tricks question. Oh. We have scored three other hat-tricks against Leicester. Name the Spurs strikers who scored those <laughs> hat-tricks. Harry Kane. That is one of them. I I could have taken that there. I knew I knew where that was going, but <laughs> I thought I'd give you that one. Um, surely Bergwijn's should count as a hat trick. Sadly, no. not. Um, Jermaine Defoe. Nope. I'm just guessing Spurs goal scorers now. I can't think of any specific games. Can we just are they, keep... are they strikers, Elia? They're all strikers. All strikers. Adebayor. Ooh. Nope. Robbie I'll give King. you another clue as well to speed it up as well. All yeah. strikers, all English. Oh, Teddy Sheringham. Nope. Uh, Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> nope. Darren Bent. Oh, good shout. Nope. Crouch. I mean, Darren, Darren Addison wore the number nine. <laughs> no. It wasn't Crouch either, no? It wasn't Crouch. Uh, how many English strikers are we? Ferdinand. Oh, good Ferdinand. shout. Yeah, That's very two good. for Dave. Very do good. you want to try Chris and answer Armstrong. the third one? You've already lost this round, so Chris do you Armstrong? want to try and... Nope. You can keep going, or I can just tell you because I'm um, anyway. Is it obvious to think anyway. of anymore? Is it a bit of an obvious one, or is Nick it Nick Barmby? Yeah. No. Uh, a striker, is he? I, I don't care. I've won. You've won? You have won. So the third Spurs hat trick was also scored by Harry Kane against Leicester. Oh. So we had to say Harry that's Kane twice. Outrageous. Yes. Outrageous. I'm not going to give you the rounds after your first answer. To be honest, when I said Harry Kane, I thought that I'd done it. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) He scored so many goals against Leicester. You know what? Son has scored three hat tricks since Kane's last hat trick. Mm. And who was Son's first hat trick against? Don't turn this around on me after I give you a great stat. It doesn't count for anything, just who, who was Harry Son's first ever hat-trick for us against. I have no idea, you know. He's basically tearing apart your thin layer of knowledge <laughs> around his spherical <laughs> mass of knowledge. Oh, oh, well, you know he's got three hat-tricks since Kane's yeah. got his hat-trick. Oh, yes, and who was Son's first hat-trick against? Get out of my pub. It's like if someone <laughs> pretends they're from a country and they say they're from some obscure town, they're like, oh, I spent three years there. Whereabouts were you? And you're like, Ugh. Oh, no, he's got no... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Spursville for you, Douglas. Oh, um, cheap shot. Okay. But I it don't was know who's on Spurs hat It was, it was the four goals against Southampton. Oh, it was. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. Now for who am I? As ever, I'm only throwing out facts that I know to be true um, and nothing but. So let's kick this off with, I have 12 international caps. Three goals. Sorry, 12 caps. There. 12 international caps. Yes, with three goals. Three goals. Three goals. That's two clues, that. Yes. Elio's feeling generous. Are we getting any early guesses in there? Les Ferdinand. <laughs> it was not Les Ferdinand. <laughs> could have been, you know. No. no I'm going to skip my clue. Let's have another one. Okay. What I know he scored in a, in a B game once. He might In the same game that Letizia got a hat-trick and then still didn't make the World Cup squad in 98. Um, yeah, picked by thanks, his Len. hero, Glenn Hoddle. I mean, imagine dropping Gaza and not picking Letizia when he's just scored a hat trick mm. for you. 
Anyway, anyway um, I obviously wasn't my... in the tea leaves. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eileen advised against it. Um, I reckon I start... Eileen Drury and Matt Letizia would get on quite well, ironically. They'd probably, probably talk just equal amounts of shit. They're mm. firm friends. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's not alienate any of our vast <laughs> following who like oh, either Eileen. Shit crazy following. <laughs> <laughs> We need every last one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed people even still listen, to be honest. But let's just keep riding our luck. Incredible. Yep, okay. that's cool. Are we going to have a second clue today to see if yep. Dave can do it again? Um, I started my career at Aston Villa. At Aston Villa. That's a strong pass from me. Dave? No, nothing from me. Okay, no guesses. I have managed three Premier League clubs. <laughs> That must narrow down a lot. That's a good clue. I always say that immediately before not providing an answer <laughs> off the back of a very good clue, but it was. Three Premier League clubs. Wait, it's not Scott Parker, is it? It is not Scott Parker. No, I can't think he's managed that many, actually. Nothing from me. At my wedding, <laughs> my best man was Terry Venables, and later that afternoon, we played against each other. Wow. This should help you with the age of this person. Glenn Hoddle? Not Glenn Hoddle. Dagus. Is it Chris Hewton? It is not Chris Hewton. Oh. I said played against each other. Oh, and sorry. Yeah. I, I, I need to learn to listen. probably 20 years older as well. Maybe they um, played against each other in training. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're, in the wrong, we're in the wrong era. Yeah, I'm in right. the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> it's not Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not Gaza. <laughs> So wait, can I have the wedding clue again? Because that one was a bit... So he was the best man at Terry Venables. No, his best man. No, his best man was Terry Venables. And then they played against each other later that afternoon. Okay. And that's a hell of a wedding reception, isn't it? Hmm. I feel like these clues have been fair. And I feel like a better Spurs fan, Elio, would have got this by now. So credit to you. I don't think so. This is a hard one this week. Mm. It, it's one that you may think when you learn the answer, oh my God, I should have got that, but it is a hard one this week. Okay. Uh, is it Brian Little? It is not Brian Little. Scottish. The, 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 the Scottish Hall of Fame Aston Villa, par- uh, you know, <laughs> crossover is really doing my head in. <laughs> Brian Little was where I ended up. Basically. There's definitely going to be at least one red herring clue in here, Dave. You know, you know that. So I ended my top flight career with Manchester United, who were the last no one's team of three Premier League title winners I represented. No, this player played a long time before the Premier League existed. Yeah. yeah. Ended his top flight career at Man United. Who were the third of three eventual Premier League winners he represented. And actually if we're including the start of his career with Villa, four English title winners in all. Mm. So decent player, this guy. I mean, that narrows down the clubs quite a lot. I mean, that many Premier League winners, frankly. Mm. Either of you have anything? I've got a uh, feeling... I've got one. Go on. Go on. Is it Brian Robson? No. Still a bit too young. Too young. To throw in an extra clue in there. I have managed... Teddy Sheringham, Tim Sherwood, Ian Wright, and Nigel Martin. All George England Graham. international. Well done, it's oh, George Graham. Oh, very good. Of course it's George Graham. 
George Graham had Terry Venables as his best man. Yeah. Wow. Wow. He needed someone to make the stag do interesting, I guess. Dave, Dave, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. (laughs) He needed someone to bring the MDMA. Um, Jesus. (laughs) I'd I'd go as far as saying national treasure for LTL. Oh, Absolutely. I that's fair. His um, England team in 96 was a big part of me falling in love with all football. All of our childhoods. Yeah, massive. Um, George, George Graham, on the other hand. No, we, we do not have good so, memories so, of George I, Graham. I would, say, I would say some of our darkest days, but no, they weren't that dark, to be honest. They were, they were just meh. Well, then I mean, he took over us. and Trophies and, on and everything. Meh, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what he did for us. He replaced David Ginola with Oyvin Leonardson. <laughs> Well, yeah, he replaced wow. um, he replaced Tony Yaboa with Ian Rush, a thirty-seven-year-old Ian Rush. <laughs> That's just tragic. Who we, um, then, who we then played on the wing. Speaking of Tony Yaboa, I loved that description of him as the enemy of the tapping on Twitter <laughs> the other day. That was classic. I like that. So, at which club did he manage Teddy Sheringham? Millwall. Correct. And obviously Sherwood, Spurs, Wright, Arsenal, Martin, Leeds, very, very obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was probably the biggie of clues in there, which is why I didn't lead with it. Mm-hmm. He has won all three major English domestic trophies as both a player and a manager. Oh, wow. I still wouldn't have got it, but that's a good clue. I was torn between who to go for between him and Herbert Chapman, because Herbert Chapman won, obviously, Arsenal's first ever FA Cup and first ever league title having been a Spurs player. So I wanted to get a player that links both Spurs and Arsenal in some way. I know it's a bit mm. off the cuff going for a Spurs manager instead of player this week, but... Uh, yeah, that I was a bit sneaky of you earlier, I have to admit. A little but, bit, but you know what? very caps, clever. 12 Dave's caps, still three got goals. It. 12 caps, three goals. I mean, you know, not being funny, but, but Scotland were really good. <laughs> they have nothing <laughs> to show for it. From yeah. like the 60s and 70s, they were really good. Yeah. They had like world-class footballers. Kenny's I must admit, George, got 12 caps. George Graham is one of those managers that I can't imagine ever having played football. I know he's he apparently a really good footballer. Yeah, but you look like, at him, really, you just really don't good. think of him as being an ex-footballer. You think of him as being like, you know, Arsene Wenger or something. He just <laughs> doesn't never played and just became a manager. He was just born a manager. No, I think that was a phenomenon Wenger almost brought in. So Dave yep. is this week's winner. With, well done, um, Dave. With two of the rounds going to him. So well done. Uh, Very good His effort. Who Am I abilities continue to astound me, but also using someone who managed Leeds maybe gave him a bit of... Yeah, um, appreciate it, Elio. Thanks. I would say right. you just made it fair. So I made it fair. I can't, I can't complain this week, Elio. I can't complain. You uh, you did a good job, and I'm very happy with Challenge Elio in your hands. So uh, not that I get a say in the matter, you know. But, no, uh, but you you um, have won one this season, and you may win have, one again. I have, and and I think yeah, I might win one again at some point. Let's hope. Let's hope I do. Uh, but no, that was a that was a nice win from Dave coming from behind as well, much like Spurs. And let's hope that that can inspire Spurs in their game against Arsenal at the Emirates, and we can come away with a win, which will be our sixth win of the league. And in fact, it will equal our longest unbeaten run in the Premier League if we don't lose. To 14, which is a stat I heard from Alistair Gold earlier. That's quite impressive. 14 unbeaten. You did an incredible job of kissing death, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now going to have a celebratory sherry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all looking quite rosy. Let's hope Arsenal don't spoil the party. Let's hope we can go away to the Emirates and do better than we did last time we went there and, mm. and get the results. And let's hope that the 53% of you that said you wouldn't take a point are right to say that. 
and we come away with all three points. And who knows, maybe end up top of the league. Let's see. So very exciting time to be a Spurs fan. Let's hope we don't mess it all up. Let's hope we're all in good spirits then. Uh, and thanks to everyone for listening. Really good to have you all listening. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you're looking forward to our next one, which may come after the international break. It may come right before the next game. But either way, we hope you join us. Hope you've had a good time. Until then, stay classy Spurs fans, and we will see you next time. <laughs>